Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And welcome to our live Texans Falcons postgame show. Robert with Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. And Sean, boy, this was a frustrating loss. Missed chances all day long for the Texans on offense. The Texans forced two turnovers, didn't lose anything, didn't do anything terrible. They just didn't win the game. They couldn't punch it in the end zone when they needed to. Yeah, finishing drives. Uh, that was the message, you know, by D'Amico Ryans at halftime. Um, and it's really kind of been uh, an underlying one, um, something that we've all been able to see, you know, through the first five games of the season this year. Um, just they, they want to get into the end zone and get seven instead of three. And I went back and looked. You know, the Texans leading into halftime have had the ball inside two minutes with an opportunity to get points, steal points, if you will. And they've done it more times than not. Four out of the last four of their first five games, they've gotten points on the board, but they've all been field goals. And that's just kind of a, a microcosm. Uh, it, it, it's a really just a gut punch way to lose this football game today, too, with C.J. Stroud and Bobby Slowick doing what they did, Damian Pierce and that final drive to go down the field, get into the end zone. And it felt like even though Stroud didn't get seven against Georgia in the SEC championship game a couple of years ago, it <laughs> it kind of felt like the same thing because he did enough to get his team down the field. They got that 40-yard field goal, 48-yard field goal against Georgia and their defense just couldn't hold up. And it felt like the same thing was going to happen. Unfortunately, it did today. Just D'Amico had no answer for an Arthur Smith offense. And um, it's just, uh, this is one of the most difficult losses to actually stomach uh, from a Houston Texan fan perspective, I would imagine, since probably that playoff loss um, in the divisional round a couple, a few years. Jeez, oh, can't even say a couple years ago. Man, that was a long time ago. What, four years ago? 2020? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it as this super – because, like, you can't go into any game this year with a rookie quarterback and all the rookies that the Texans have in play and expect to win. Although, well, this was a game that was right there on the table for you because you you knew that Atlanta was coming in and they're struggling and they're not doing – and you're doing well, on the other hand. Um, and, and I just want to remind everybody also, get in the comments because just we want to hear from you. We want you to let us know what's going on. We're going to respond as we – move along and we're going to take you possession by possession as we like to do it every week. And Sean, Texans defense, they start with a quick three and out first Texans possession, great field position, but on third and one at the 19 Damian Pierce gets stuffed. They settle for a field goal. What did you think of the third down play? Looked like Tunsil's defender got penetration on that one. And that's what caused the play to, you know, not work there. Yeah, that was tough. I'd have to go back and look, but I know my initial thought when I saw that, you know, that was a zone block to the right side. And for a guy who has struggled with knee issues over the course of the last three weeks, that's a tough block to ask him to make. Um, zoning so far to the right and his guy just slipped through, was able to get uh, to Pierce and stop that third and one. Um I'm actually surprised Tunsil played as good as he did today, to be honest with you. I mean, the Texans, it's not above them to, you know, deke the media and deke the opposition. Um, Tunsil looked like an old-ass man moving around in practice um, all this week. And 
for him to play as well as he did, I think is impressive, um, regardless of, you know, what they were trying to show or not to show. But that was just a tough play. Yeah, and, and Tutsil did his job, I thought, on, you know, pass on the pass rush. Um, he's never been, I, I don't think, I consider him not elite as a run blocker. I, it's more as a pass blocker where Tunsil, yeah. but, you know, Tunsil did exactly what you wanted from there. And, and I, I thought Strahd got plenty of time today for sure. Yeah, he did. What? Do we have uh, a third straight game with no sacks? Am I getting that right? Yeah, no yeah. sacks. And I haven't checked out the uh, quarterback hit statistics, but uh, just two quarterback hits today. So that's 12 total quarterback hits over the course of the last three weeks. You had four, you had six, and then today you had two uh, by the Falcons. Um, and it, I, I think the, the look uh, defensively that the Falcons showed today really – um, kind of perplexed Stroud and Slowick. It looked like they were able to kind of figure some things out, I think, on that second drive, which we'll get to here momentarily. But I, I, I think they saw the propensity for Stroud to be so damn good against a blitz to get rid of the ball so quickly that they they didn't bring anybody on third down passing situations uh, against the Texans today, third and longs. And I think for much of the game, at least through the first three quarters, I believe it was, um, they were facing on average, like third, eight, third and nine Falcons just said, you know what? We're not, we're not dialing up anything exotic. We're not bringing any blitzes and we're going to force Stroud to, um, to, to, to make a mistake, to force stuff in there. Um, and give our we trust our secondary. And he nearly threw two or three picks today. It was a different looking Stroud, albeit he was still very good. Um, but it was just a different looking Stroud in terms of uh, some of the balls that he threw and uh, what he tried to fit in and couldn't get in today. Yeah, agreed, agreed on that. And I'm going to get to a couple of the comments. You guys hang tight, Kyle, B Vals. We see what you said. We're going to get to it. But the Falcons respond with a seven play, 75 yard touchdown drive, seven yard. Uh, seven-yarder Desmond Ritter, read option keeper for the first time since week two, the Texans trail in a football game. Sean, did you think the ball came loose before Ritter got into the end zone? I mean, you know, I, on the broadcast, I watched the same broadcast that you did, and they honestly did a crappy job of showing the other side of the angle, like piecing, you know, the two sides together, like most most broadcasts would do. Uh, but the first time initially, I didn't think so. You know, Chris Myers said was it chris myers or whoever the hell it was said oh yeah it looked like the ball's coming out early and then mark schlereth was like yeah but he's really like a yard and a half deep into the end zone uh i thought the same thing i i didn't i mean they look at these things every scoring play is reviewed and so i mean i i to be honest with you trust it and to be quite honest with you too if it didn't count i feel like they would have punched the damn thing in anyway um, that's just it, that that was the well no but but on. that's but that matters because if the ball pops loose and it goes out of the end zone it's the Texans ball at the 20 Did it go out of the back of the end zone or the side of the end zone no it, it just has to go out of the end zone like once it once it goes into the end zone and out of the end zone which it did then that's it then you know, I thought you it was the just the back of the end zone but yeah no, no no just has to go out of the end zone and it's okay. Texans ball and, yeah. and and the thing was from what I saw, it looked like the ball was starting to come loose, but it was probably too on the edge to call. But as typically is the case with the Texans, because I've been watching this for 20 years, I think they bring two cameras to the game and they got a director that just learned how to do this. Like, 
three days ago that's doing the Texans game. It's the same story every time. You you're always asking for more, you know, angles on a Texans game unless it's a prime time or something like yeah. that. I, d- I don't understand it. It's not like that cameras was, are that expensive these days. You know, that, what was, I mean? a, that was a really close one. You know, I, I didn't feel passionately about it to be honest with you. That oh man, the ball's coming loose. You know, I went with my gut, and my gut told me that the dude was in, and it was really just a couple of things on that drive. You know, I know Jimmy Ward kind of made up for it, you know, on the very next play, but he took a really poor angle on a little swing pass to a tight end earlier in that drive and then came back the next play and made a very fundamental tackle, but it's still giving up yards. Um, then they had the trick play, that reverse and the pass from London to John U. Smith that went for 22 yards um, that really I thought got D'Amico's head spinning. Um, it's like, holy smokes. I mean, they've pulled out all the stops today to try to get Desmond Ritter in this offense going, a team that had only scored one touchdown in the last two games combined. Um, they're going to be doing some different things today. And I think you saw that very early on from the Falcons offensively. Um, Arthur Smith, you know, kind of, you know, behind the eight ball with his quarterback, pulled out all the stops today against a defense that had been very aggressive, um, very opportune. And unfortunately for the Texans, while they did have a couple of turnovers in this one, um, you know, couldn't capitalize it. That, that offense was just, it was really, it was really good. I think, I think people in Atlanta. Wait, 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 let me just slow your roll with the offense it was really good. And by the way, V Vals, and I don't know if I agree with this, he said the Texans had no pass rush today. You know, I think they didn't go out on the pass rush because you knew the Falcons had B. John Robinson and he was a danger in the run. But I do want to talk about that later. So, B-Vals, do not go anywhere. We're going to talk about that more towards the end of the game. But, Sean, look, the Texans gave up seven points for three quarters. Mm-hmm. They caused two turnovers. They looked really good. The Texans, at that point, after three quarters, had given up 33 points in the last 13 quarters. That's less than three points a quarter mm-hmm. over the last 13 quarters. The Texans defense was holding them. You know, I just felt like if you want to criticize the Texans defense for this, you're not watching the game because, you know, they got tired. They were on the field way too much in this yeah. game because the Texans offense couldn't move the dark football. Well, they couldn't get off from third down either. I mean, at one point, the Falcons were five for five on third downs in the second half, um, despite the Texans defense holding them two, two for seven in the first half. It was just... They were moving the ball in the second half. That's why I say that offense was really good. Arthur Smith did a fantastic job of just adjusting to a D'Amico Ryan's defense. And I almost felt like that final drive, you know, by the Texans offensively, where they'd milk the clock for five minutes and change. It was almost an effort to say, you know what? We've got the opportunity to run the ball. We feel good about it. But then, too, we've got to try to do something to give our defense a little bit of a break yeah. with all of our timeouts. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I was definitely going to talk about that once we got there for sure. Because, yeah, I think that's what the the thought process was there. Next Texans possession, though, still early in the game after – one first down, Texans lose six on a Pierce first down run. I was not thrilled with the way Bobby Slowick continued to go to the first down runs that were not getting anywhere in the first half, and he even did it into the third quarter. I, I just disagreed with that philosophy because it was not working. They couldn't recover from that. And then, Sean, on that first down run, I noticed that the defender went right past Shaq Mason and George Fant those guys didn't block anybody. I don't really like them running on the right side because I don't think Fant and Shaq Mason are all that great at it. And so I, I felt like if you're going to run, 
run behind Titus and Laramie Tunsil, even though I don't think that's Tunsil's best trait. I just think he's, he's, you know, this is a pro bowler. He's obviously better than George Fan. Yeah, I mean, I know they ran to the right side quite a bit um, to start this game, and I'm sure the numbers lended out to be, you know, pretty much in the majority for the entirety of the game. But, I mean, you know, look, Damian Pierce was able to pop some early runs, you know, for 10 yards, 13 yards, 5 yards on the first run of the football game. Um, you know, the TFLs that were coming early, one, it was the Tank Dell little end-around thing, and then um, I think Pierce got, you know, stuffed for a no gain. But, I mean, you'll take four yards, five yards. You do that three times, that's first downs. Um, I I just think that, yeah, you need to show the propensity to be able to kind of go right, go left, you know, show some different things. As as in tune as Slowick is, and I, I'm just kind of – I mean, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look at this stuff. But it just feels like as you're watching it that – as in tune as Slowick is with showing the same kind of formation, you know, in their past game, they're able to kind of, you know, build off of some of those same looks and do some different things, whether it be a five-step drop or a seven-step drop or, you know, the quick pass game. I think he, they need to figure out a way to do that with the run game. Um, you know, even if it's just like kind of like a zone read look just to get things flowing to the left side and maybe make the defense respect that, um, you know, with Pierce coming across Stroud's face, pulling it back and, you know, maybe uh, making some quick throws that way just to kind of make the defense respect that you're going to move the ball around on the left side a little bit as well, much I, as you're running it on the right. The, the pitch plays weren't working. And frankly, I, I didn't like that because I thought some of the best stuff that they were showing last week to run the ball against the Steelers when it was working was more the quick hitters inside yeah. where you had movement among the offensive line and guys, you know, going back and forth and cross crossing up and all. I mean, just that kind of stuff to me, I agreed with what beast mode said. Um, you know, it's what I was saying. They, they called too many soft plays uh, needed to pass the ball more, let CJ uh, rip it because they were getting behind the line of scrimmage on second down. It seemed like on a regular base, it was second and long every single time the Texans get a break on the next Falcons possession drop pass on third down by John O. Smith. They respond with a seven play 49 yard drive. Again, though, have to settle for a fair Baron field goal. Stroud got a couple of chunk plays from Nico and tank. Uh, anything stick out for you on that possession? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the possession that I thought, you know, they kind of, they kind of got rolling, you know, against a different looking Falcons defense. Uh, and it was the big plays. They hit Nico, you know, on that little seam. I think it was actually a dig, uh, you know, 25 yards to Nico on that dig. Um, that was really the first time that I can remember them using Dell like that in the middle of the field. And it was good. I think that really hurt them in the second half, losing him to the concussion. Um, and, you know, look, the pressure. Uh, they dialed it up a little bit from a Falcons standpoint, that incompletion to Schultz on that third and 15. Um, it, it was, and I think even the play before that, it was just Stroud was a little out of sync with his receivers there. And I think it had a, a little bit to do with the rush and what he was seeing, got, getting rid of the ball uh, before he'd wanted to. Um, but again, you know, that was at the point of the game too. It was still so early. Um, you felt like, all right, this Falcons offense, like Ritter's been able to fit some balls into some tight spaces. That was kind of his story. You know, we talked to the Falcons insider earlier this week, and 
he told us that was the case. Ritter can fit these balls into tight spaces, but it was consistency for him. He hadn't been able to do it, I thought, today. That's why I said the offense was looking pretty good. He did it more times than not. He had him going. Yeah, I just threw up there that Eddie said in the comments, too conservative on offense. We'll be talking about that continually, and we've said that already. Uh, Falcons go three and out. Petrie with a nice pass deflection on third down. Texans next drive ends at midfield. Stroud misses tank open on second down. Throws behind Woods on third down into tight coverage. On the replay on that third down, I saw tank was wide open, crossing over the middle. Stroud just missed him. And that was the story of the game, Sean, for Stroud for most of the game and until that final drive. He he was just a little bit behind, a little bit ahead mm-hmm. of guys. Just he just couldn't connect. This is as bad as we've seen him as far as inaccuracy goes. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't even call it inaccuracy. I I just think uh just a, a, the tiny little smallest tick of, of timing, it was just off. Um, I think there was a point in the game from the Falcons perspective perspective where you know Schlereth was breaking down a throw that Ritter had made and said hey you know look that looks like he's just wildly inaccurate there but it's really a timing issue um and and what a receiver is seeing in coverage versus what Ritter was seeing from a quarterback's perspective in coverage a receiver is supposed to sit down there Ritter threw it as such so it's just not being on the same page so it might be just one of those things, and I just felt like watching it, that it wasn't really an accuracy issue. Now, maybe there was a couple of throws. One in particular, there was one to the sideline that Stroud made, um, and it could have been one of those to uh, Dell or Woods on that possession where he just sailed it out of bounds and, you know, kind of clapped his hands and was like, ah, you know, he'd like to have had that one back. Yeah, look, Stroud's not going to be perfect, as accurate as we want to talk about him being. He's not going to be, you know, 100% every single game. He's going to make mistakes. Maybe that was just one of them, but, hey, a a, a struggling C.J. Stroud, as we saw today, I still think, I mean, that was a very winnable game, and Texans just couldn't do enough defensively, man. That hurts. Well, and they couldn't do it. I mean, this is, to me, this is lost on offense. You talk about defense. When you have four field goals, you have two turnovers that lead to a chances to to do something, and you don't do anything with it but get a field goal out of it. You know, to me, that's the story. I get it. I get it. I, I say defense, you know, when I'm I, and I'm really pointing to like the lack of pass rush and, um, you know, just the the receivers finding the holes in that zone coverage, particularly in the second half and on that last drive for sure. Um, yeah, the offense, it could have done more. I mean, you don't want to have a heavy Kaimi Fairbairn day, you know, where he's punching field goals in from all over the place. But... You know, <laughs> at the end of it, like it's a football game. Both teams are fighting to get over the 500 mark for the first time in a long time. And when you get C.J. Stroud to lead a fourth quarter comeback drive and leaves less than two minutes on the clock for the opposition to do anything with, it's like you feel like the offense at the end of the day kind of did what it needed to do. Yeah, I just when you leave, no, when you leave two minutes on the clock in the NFL, then all the other team needs is a field goal. That's to me, that's all day, really. Yeah, and three yeah. and three three timeouts. It's all day it. in the NFL, I and we've it. seen you know Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. They could they could run like four field goal drives in in, in two minutes if you gave them three timeouts. So uh, that's Patrick uh, Mahomes and Josh Allen. You know, you know, twenty four yeah. hours ago, Desmond Ritter. Um, he's going to be talked about in a little bit of a different light. Um, no, no, I'm just yeah. saying they could have done it four times. I'm saying for <laughs> most NFL teams, uh, two minutes is 
tons of time for a drive. I mean, it's just it's it's all day. And and I knew unless the Texans did something really great that it was. I mean, they, I felt like they almost had to force a turnover there. But anyway, Texans defense next possession they give up a couple first downs again force a punt near midfield. But the defense with a with the Texans offense three and out. Big miss on an open Robert Woods on second down. Stroud let him a little bit too much. Then Stroud settles for a short throw to Schultz on third and nine. And then, Sean, again, it's the frustration with the first down over and over again where Slowick's running the ball. wasn't working. Let's go to the next one because we've talked about that. Next, Falcons possession. Atlanta drives into field goal range, but on a third down stop, the Falcons with a huge mistake. Late hit pushes them out of field goal range and forces a punt. So many times in this game, you felt like Texans were getting breaks. So Stroud, who's been really good at the first half, two-minute drill, the first half two-minute drill, he's been great. We saw what he did at the end of the game today. He hits Tank on a big 29-yard third-down catch at the Falcons' 30. Great catch by Tank, but he also gets a concussion. That's a big deal in the second half. You almost have to factor that into what was going on with the second half with the Texans because no Tank on the field. It's a little less open. Robert Woods was out for a little bit with an injury in the third quarter, so that all played into it. Still, you get a fair barren field goal, though, and you're up at the half. You wanted a touchdown. Um, you always do in that situation, especially when you were moving the ball like that and you get that big play, which, you know, was the play of the game at that point in time, that 29-yard uh, catch from Dell in the first down. Him getting hurt, I mean, that just that was that was terrible. I mean, concussion was the last thing that I thought he'd surf it on. I thought it was like, you know, a shoulder or a chest injury, the way that he'd caught the ball and rolled over on it, you know, after the hit. But um, that was tough. At, at the end of the day, look, you, you'd you love a touchdown. You'd love to finish that drive there in that instance. But ultimately, you've got to come away with points. The Texans do. Go back and look. You know, again, four out of five opportunities. You've had the ball inside two minutes going into halftime, and the Texans have gotten points four out of those five times. But they've all been field goals. You've got to be able to mix in a touchdown here and there and ultimately capitalize um, on those opportunities, especially on the road when you know you're coming out in the third quarter and you're getting the ball right back. There is no better feeling than the offense kind of riding in with the momentum in the halftime. You take that into the half and then you get get the ball back with this offense, with this quarterback that's shown the propensity to just um, you know sustain drives, the confidence that you have in Stroud now, um, the inability for the Texans to do that today on the road, that really, really hurt. And I get frustrated with the almost play not to make a mistake mentality that so many NFL coordinators have, and Bobby Slowick no different, where in those two-minute drills, they don't want to give up the ball real quick so the other team can go score instead of saying, hey, let's go and get a touchdown because you take up so much time early on in that two-minute drill that you don't have enough time to really run any plays once you get in the other team's territory and you don't get a chance to get a touchdown. You're basically playing for a field goal when you say, I don't want to give up the ball to the other team. And this is not Tom Brady. This is Desmond Ritter. You know, you, 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 I don't think you've got to, you can't think in the mentality of, oh my God, what if we give it up to Desmond Ritter at the end of the half? You got to think, I got CJ Stroud. Let's hurry it up. Let's go down and get a touchdown. Not, you know, you know, okay, we got to uh, be real slow until we get our first first down of the drive. I mean, I just hate that mentality. I hate it. 
talking about that possession before the half or the one yeah 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 exactly that possession before the half and they they do that they do this all the time sean this is not this is a typical nfl coach thing this is not to me i am not i'm not particularly mad at specifically bobby sloick but i see this all the time we saw it with bill o'brien it's like okay well let's let's you know let's not rush it because what if we don't get the first first down of the drive and then we give it up to them and then they get a field you can't you can't have your team have that mentality. Their mentality should be, we're going to go down and we're going to score a touchdown at the, at, the, at the end of the half because you only get so many possessions in an NFL game. Take advantage of every possession. Don't just sit there and milk the clock when, it's, when you got a two-minute drill in the first three downs because you're like, oh, oh what, what if we don't, what if we have to punt and give them the ball back? Who cares? You're, you know, you've yeah. got C.J. Stroud. They've got Desmond Ritter. That should be the mentality. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I I can't say that I had a problem with the way that the Texans went down the field in that instance. I mean, I thought they went about as um, smooth as they could have, you know, play to play. To be honest with you, they, they, I mean, they just worked really slow that that whole time, and there were there were you know downs where you could have saved yourself some time by just throwing it into the ground, you know, and 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 saying okay, we got you know, or call a timeout earlier. You know, to me, it's I, I always. I, I'm not afraid to call an early timeout because I know once I get down the field, I can always stop the clock by throwing the ball into the ground. But if I call the timeout early in the drive, it, it saves me some time and gives me a real chance to go down and score a touchdown. Yeah. Were you one of the ones that was happy that ball was batted down? I think it was going to be intended for Woods uh, close to the goal line in that I, instance. I, I, I couldn't, couldn't get tell. a good look at it. but I, I couldn't tell what was going to happen. I couldn't tell. It looked like. That would have been pretty damn close. Uh, maybe one yard line right on top of the goal line if, in fact, um, the ball hadn't have been batted down. I don't know if it was Dupree or whoever. Somebody got a hand on it. Um, but if not, I thought it was going to be pretty close. And, you know, Woods, kind of like Collins, has shown the ability to, you know, lower the shoulders, sink his hips, and press forward and get an extra yard or two uh, through contact. It might have gone for a score. I don't know, but I'd have to go back and see. I just remember looking on Twitter, and people were so like, man, I'm so glad that ball was batted down in that instance because if it was caught and it wasn't a touchdown, presumably time would have just expired. You wouldn't have been able to get up to the ball in time to spike anything. So. Yeah. ultimately look at least you got points and you could point to all of those things at the end of the day when you lose by two like the texans did but there were so many other things I mean, yeah was- four extra points there would have mattered four extra points many other of these drives would yeah. have mattered it just yeah. you know when you lose by and this is the nfl it all it it tends to do this it tends to come down to those type of situations so the next drive first drive of the second half same story for the texans as it had been really um, incomplete pass on third and long. They got to third and long by, you know, doing what they've been doing. Although Stroud set the rookie record for most pass attempts to start a career without an interception. So, you know, congratulations. Nice little golf clap for that. Um, more on CJ's accuracy in a sec. But let's get the Texans defense uh, going because Khalil Davis, uh, who, uh, by the way, uh, let's go back to what I, I should mention this. Kyle Perrin mentioned the fact Missed tackles, encroachments times four. They had four of them, including Khalil Davis, in the first half. They couldn't get it corrected in the first half, but they didn't do it in the second half. But that was a little bit bizarre. Khalil Davis, though, makes up for it because he knocks the ball out of Bichon's hands. Dylan Horton recovers. Great opportunity on offense. But 
Stroud throws it behind Schultz on third down. They settle for another field goal. But Sean, um, that was, you know, that was uh, an issue that for a lot of the game, like at, as Eddie was saying, is just the Texans defense. They did th- mostly good stuff in the first three quarters, but the first half, those encroachments just over and over and over again. I don't, I don't know what was going on, but, it, you know, at some at some point you got to correct that a little bit quicker than they did the the hard count you know that uh, Ritter and the Falcons were using I mean it was just it was just absolutely killer I think at one instance um, the Texans were facing a third and eight uh, midway maybe later in the second quarter um, and D'Amico actually called a timeout I think uh, I can't remember at what point in time I I remember that I remember thinking like, man, okay, so D'Amico sees what's going on here. It was like third and eight. The Falcons are probably going to go with a hard count. Let me make sure my mind, my, my guy's minds are right. And we know what we're going to do, how we're going to execute. If we can't get a push, we at least have to be disciplined, can't give them free yards. They went back out, and hell, it was a damn false start on Kyle Pitts, you know, after the third and eight. Pushed him back five yards, facing like third, 12, third and 13 now at that instance, and the Texans end up getting a stop. Um, and so those are like the little things that I'm, 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 I'm impressed with D'Amico having a pulse, having an understanding of the situation, knowing that, Hey, here's my guys, they're struggling with this. Um, and you could say, Hey, look, it's a discipline issue. It's this, it's that at the end of the day, it's just execution. And D'Amico Ryan's a guarantee has probably used the word execution a handful of times as he's already addressed the media, presumably at this point in time. And that's something that you're going to hear throughout the course of the week, but it's got to get better. And with a young team, um, and I know there's some veterans in there making mistakes as well, but you had Heinish, you had Anderson, uh, Collins was a part of the, one of the encroachment calls. It was it's really three encroachment calls. It was just one of them that penalized two players, Anderson and Collins. Um, and I forget who the other one might have been on. But look, it was it was young and veteran guys making mistakes. And at the end of the day, it's it's football. You got to be prepared for that. It sounded like a pretty loud environment in there today. And so it's just one of those things you've got to be able to correct going forward. Yeah, and I didn't think any of them really cost them too much. And really, the Falcons made a lot more penalties that actually did cost them in this game. So. Take yeah, that for I what like it's that. worth. Um, Texans defense, though, they do it again. After that turnover, good Falcons drive. Graylin Arnold strips Jonu Smith. Yeah. Petrie recovers. Again, though, Texans can't take advantage. Three and yeah. out. Stroud's third down pass deflected at the line. But, Sean, you figured that just at this point in the game, I'm just like all these opportunities on offense. You're asking for trouble. And then that's when the whole dam breaks right there because oh. you didn't get it done. And then they go down the field. Score a touchdown, B. John Robinson. So correct me if I'm wrong, but after that Arlen, uh, Arnold forced fumble, the Petrie 22-yard recovery, you get the ball on the 30-yard line. They ran the ball on first and second down with Damian Pierce. I think he got four yards, and I think he got two yards. This, that I hate I, when teams do, like, go up top, go deep. The other I, defense is off balance. Exactly. That's kind of the point that I was going to make. Like, but it's either or. like. I thought about it at that point in time, and maybe this is where you have to take a step back if you're D'Amico and Bobby Sloat, because I really wasn't as impassioned and mad about that at the time, because I said, you know what, man, this is two straight defensive possessions where you've created turnovers. You got a field goal on the last one. You're 30 yards away. Like, I figured, all right, I get their approach. They're already in point range. Feel good. Like, they're going to get at least three here. They've got an opportunity. Well, on the fir- you're talking about on the first turnover. 
No, I'm talking on the second one. I'm talking about the Graylin Arnold fumble and the Petrie recovery. No, they had to punt. They had to punt there. They they weren't close to field goal range. Oh, that was right. Yeah, okay. So they got it on the uh, their own thirty yard line. Yeah, okay. that was. Yeah, that was then I was 30. thinking about on the other one. Right? Was it the other one where they had really good field position? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was the one where they'd ran it the first two times. Then with Pierce, right? Yeah, I think, well, it wouldn't surprise me if they did it both times. I forget. One of them yeah. damn times they ran it first two times, and it had to be the first one because they were already in points range. So they it, knew they were going to get three. Isn't and it I was almost just thinking, like, it's like after a turnover, you want to, you, sometimes you have the mentality of like, all right, let's take a shot because we got the ball. It's kind of like free money. Let's take a shot to the end zone or deep down the field. Let's go for a big play here. They didn't. I just felt like, you know what? They got a turnover. Slogue's probably thinking, you know what? Now's the perfect time to see if we can establish the run. So you get four yards, you get two yards, you set up a third and four. Uh, and then I think there was an incompletion, so you had to settle for the field goal. I think they were looking for Schultz, and maybe there was like a timing issue or something. Yeah, on yeah I just don't get – I don't – we we are now on game four – or no, game five of the season. This is the time we're going to establish the run. Look, you are insane if you think, okay, we haven't done it for five games – and we're going to do it right now after five games. We've gone through, we're on our 4,000th offensive line. Right. And I understand these guys are more accomplished than the guy, but Titus is out of position. You still have George Fant at right tackle, who's a sub at best. And my, my point is that, look, it's not worked, but the other team is off balance. It's almost like Bobby's saying, okay, this, this is what I had on my card after the last possession, instead of saying, Look, when there's a turnover, I need to throw the card away and I need to strike fast because their defense is not expecting to jump on the field right now. And this is the time to yeah. get them. Yeah. And really, the Texans, I didn't think they looked downfield deep enough in this game. There wasn't, they didn't make the Falcons think deep one time in this game. And I thought the offensive line was much point. better. You had opportunities because the O line was, this is not the O line that we saw the last two weeks where you're just hoping and praying that the left tackle doesn't get blown by because, you know, he's fourth or fifth string or whatever. Yeah, no, that, that's a really good point. They they didn't look down deep down the field. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe not even once. Um, yeah, by the way, just wanted to clarify, it was that first turnover, the one created by Khalil Davis and uh, Horton recovered. Pierce ran four yards, two yards. And I, just, again, my thought was like, hey, let's try to establish the run there. Uh, and it was that incompletion to Schultz that was slightly behind him that brought up that fourth and four. I fully agree with you, though. I mean, you get that uh, Petrie recovery to the uh, to your own 30-yard line after they were so deep in your territory. And that's huge. you got to be able to do something because it's boom, boom. Defense is right back out on the field. Take a shot. See what's working. And you know what seems to always work is Stroud in the quick pass game. See if you can dial something up there because I would imagine that once you show, you know, the big play potential, which the Texans already had to that point, I think by that point, they'd already reeled off four plays that went for at least 22 yards. So, you know, Arthur Smith and his defensive coordinator is probably sitting back looking like, holy smokes, tank or no tank, they can freaking dial it up. We got to respect it. Um, we're going to have to force Stroud to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, and I thought maybe you could have manipulated the way that they attacked you defensively if, in fact, you would have just taken a shot, you know, throw it downfield, but maybe 
throw it away. Like in a sense, like if you know you can't put it to where only Nico can get it or whoever that you're targeting can't get it, then it just looks like a throw. If you make the safeties think that you will go deep, it can tend to open up things for the running game that's getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. And here's the other part about it. I didn't see enough of what I think is a really good play for the Texans, and it's always been a good play, and a Kubiak-Shanahan offense, and that is the play-action pass. I, 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 as much as they were running the football, mm. there wasn't enough play-action pass in this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know why you don't do it. I think, I think that's a beautiful thing, and I think you get the quarterback – um, and the running back to do it, and especially if you're going to be able to, if you could do it with Beck on the field, it's even better because he's a, a really good blocker. Um, you know, somebody that him and Pierce have done a really good job of picking up blitzes and, you know, that extra rush, the guy that gets slippery that comes through to flush CJ out of the pocket. I mean, I don't know why you don't do that more, uh, especially today. Like when you figured out like, hey, they're not really getting to Stroud. Like he's got time. He's got time. And he's been able to kind of survey the field and get rid of the ball when he wants to. And um, I, I was thinking about this as, you know, we're just kind of talking. Bobby Sloak brought it up again today, um, just talking about how the offense has evolved. And he's like, hey, man, you know, look, I, I put it on myself week one in Baltimore. It was really bad. And, you know, my boat got rocked and I've learned. And this is probably going to be one of those games where he looks back and says, man, I, I now it's now it's time to, you know, turn the next turn to the next page. Let's. Let's expand my way of thinking. Maybe let's get a little bit better of a pulse on the game. Um, he'll probably use this one as another really good example to kind of propel, you know, uh, himself to taking that next step as much as we've talked about C.J. Stroud and the rest of this offense doing that. All right, let's hit these last couple of possessions because the Texans offense, after that touchdown, another three and out. Texans D wearing down a bit. This is where I see I see this all the time in the NFL. If in the second half, if if one defense is on the field a lot, they're going to start wearing down, even if they're getting stops early on in, the, in that half. So, you know, but they bend and don't break. So give them credit there. They bend, but don't break. Uh, Falcons field keeps it within a score. Also worth noting, Sean, and you mm -hmm. and I have not talked about this yet. The Falcons tight ends, Pitts and Smith, um, at this point in the game, had combined for 12 catches, 153 yards. That's just the Falcons' tight ends. With no Derek Stingley, no Shaq Griffin. We haven't talked about no Shaq Griffin in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, no Tavier Thomas. That's three of the Texans' four best cornerbacks, you know, along with Steven Nelson. They didn't have available in this game. Th those are important pieces that you needed in a game like this where – the tight ends are going to be in play. You know, you could you think of the cornerbacks with wide receivers, but you know, a slot guy like Tavier Thomas could have really helped you in this game. Yeah, I mean, just linebackers though needed to be better in coverage, and Toa Toa just looked um, overmatched. You know, at times today um, in coverage, I noticed him, um, and you know, Perryman. I, I don't think Perryman had a drop into coverage. One, no, it was Cashman. Uh, Cashman had a drop into coverage a, a little bit today, and for the most part, he was pretty damn good. Really good against the run. Uh, really good against the little bubble screens and the swing passes of keeping that back of the tight end in front of him. But when that tight end, you know, would break the cushion, get up on a rail route or a seam route, whatever you want to call it, um, that that's where the Texans really had issues. And I thought like. 
it was funny if you looked at like what Ritter had been able to do with Pitts and Jonu Smith going into this game hadn't been much. The offense was really anemic in terms of like getting the ball to anybody through the air. Um, and they just really did a good job against a D'Amico Ryan's design defense to find those holes. And maybe personnel had something to do with it. Maybe it didn't. Maybe, you know, a play that typically would have gone for 12 yards went for 22 yards today. Would Christian Harris have mattered? Because he wasn't available today either. You know what? Possibly. I mean, you're talking about, you know, whether it be or him or Toa Toa. Again, it comes down to matchups. Like, they've been two of the leading tacklers on the Texans this season, you know, in back-to-back games, I think, with 11 and 13 respectively. But it's the job that Toa Toa had been able to do the last two weeks in coverage. Christian Harris as well, solid in coverage. We've seen Cashman be pretty, look pretty good in coverage as well. It was just... Look, when you take key pieces like that out from a matchup perspective, I think D'Amico gun to his head would tell you that, yeah, we missed Christian Harris big time today because of that coverage element. We like his athleticism and his body build or his what he's done in coverage better in this matchup than the other guy. Um, I think it does matter, certainly. C.J. Stroud continues to show the clutch gene. So, yeah, there, there was missed passes. You know, there was a lot of stuff that he would want back today, but five minutes, 11 plays, 75-yard touchdown drive, wide open Schultz. Anything about that particular drive that struck you as you were seeing it unfold? Yeah, I thought it was freaking fantastic, man. Um, the, the key play in that drive was after, you know, them milking Pierce, you know, and him getting four yards, four yards, you know, three yards, 13 yards, five yards on that run. Like they really established the run. Um, the Falcons brought everybody in the box. Pierce started in the backfield, offset left, boom, motions out right wide and he hits them um, for what? Was it like a, a can't, what was that play? I took note of it. I can't remember. It, they swung it out to him, and it was a pretty damn good gain, whatever it was. I think it was a first down catch. Um, a couple of plays later, it set up the Stroud to Schultz uh, third and nine touchdown pass. I just thought, like, that was key uh, for Slow to see and identify, like, all right, they're thinking we're going to continue to hammer the run, hammer the run, hammer the run. Boom. They split Pierce out wide, which we'd seen in practice, we'd seen in training camp, hadn't seen a whole lot of it in the games. And we know over the course of the last couple of weeks, they've tried to do a little bit more with Pierce in the past game. Um, I thought that was huge. Um, and look, you say continued to see the clutch gene. I thought this was the first time, like we talked so much about Stroud and the success that he's had, the no picks, the no sacks, the ability to get rid of the ball, be smart with it, understand when a play's dead, you just kill it. Um Today was the first time that he's had the opportunity to play from behind in the fourth quarter on a massive drive like this in a game that has meant the most to this organization for the first time in a long time. Well, let's remember in that Colts game, the Texans were trying to come back and Stroud was doing a great job. Oh, he remember, was. Remember, he was, but they were so far behind. No, right? but no, they, they were within two scores. And yeah. remember, early in that fourth quarter, he he threw a touchdown pass, and the offensive there was a penalty, and it got called back and mm-hmm. and it t- taken away. If he scores there, they're within a touchdown. But he kept coming at yeah. him and coming at him and coming at him. I, I mean, what I, you're saying, but I'm it wouldn't saying. take the lead. Like this was legitimately an opportunity to like. Oh, yeah. When you pull up on profootballreference.com and you see GW4, 
game-winning fourth-quarter comebacks, he ain't got none. This would have been yeah. number one. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, That's clutch. That's that. And he did it. And it was just like, damn. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, Shadur Sanders said yesterday. He's like, well, they left too much time on the clock. It was the same thing. It's like, damn, if you could have just left six seconds on the clock like you did in the first half, like we wouldn't have had a problem. But uh, it is what it is. I think still a huge confidence booster in, in some regards uh, for Sloat. Um, he obviously has a lot to clean up in terms of like game planning and, you know, managing the offense and looking at his tendencies and stuff like that. But a huge confidence booster for the offense in totality, especially for CJ Stroud. I want to go back to what B Val's. I'm going to put that up again. So he said the Texans had no pass rush today. Ritter had all day. I want to ask you about this last drive because as I was watching this drive, I thought they kept just rushing for defenders. But at the same time, I kept noticing it wouldn't have mattered a whole lot because Ritter, every single pass in that drive was just, you know, boom, it's gone. Boom, it's gone. He was he was just doing it quick. And, and like I said, that's why two minutes is a ton of time in the NFL because you are not worried if the defenders are going to play off. You almost have to play traditional coverage there. I, I think you have to play traditional coverage. What do you mean traditional, man? I, well, what I'm saying is you got a pressure of, yeah, man, man would, I think would be a good idea. I don't think you want to zone coverage and let receivers just take five-yard routes because they can five-yard route you up down the field especially if you're not covering the edges and you're, you're letting them stay, get out of bounds immediately and, and not letting the clock run and stuff. And, and that's what they were doing in this drive. So should he have um, had more pass rushes today? Potentially, but again, they only had, they only gave up seven points in the first three quarters. Um, they, they really had that one big drive for a touchdown and that was it the whole day. The Falcons did. They had that, that one in, in the first three quarters and, and then I should say they had a sec the second one, obviously, in the fourth yeah. quarter after I thought the defense was a little bit gassed. But, you know, I, I don't know. What, what, do you, what would you have done there? What would you have done differently, maybe defensively right there? I have to go back and, and look and see what they were doing from a pass rush. But uh, when you got two minutes and you got a lead and whether it be home or on the road um, and not any quarterback, but particularly a quarterback who hasn't shown the ability to do what Ritter did yet today. Um, I mean, I got to trust my dudes. I, I know you'd like to have this guy out there rather than this guy. You'd like to have Griffin out there rather than Holman. You'd rather have Stingley out there before those other two guys. But I like man defense in those situations because if their best is going to be my best, then so be it. I just, I don't like an offense being able to um, be given windows of opportunity, literally in zone coverage. I hate that because when you talk about a defense that still coming into today is leading the NFL in missed tackles, man, missed tackles. I think they're leading the league 45 missed tackles through four games already this season. It's like, mm, that's killer. And I, I, I get it. You, you, it's my, it's our philosophy, and this is the way we're going to play. And the only way we're going to play like this is just do it when you're in those situations. What, what I, about I like man? What about putting Denzel Perryman out there? Speaking of missed tackles, he still got the club around his hand, and mm -hmm. there was a play on the Falcons on the Falcons touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, 
where the receiver gets the ball over the over uh, near the edge, and mm-hmm. Denzel runs over there to try to tackle him. Perryman misses the tackle because he could not wrap with that hand. He misses the tackle, flat out misses it. It cost him ten yards. The receiver, I can't remember who it was now. I'm blanking on it, but he gets ten more yards to the close to the five yard line because Perryman couldn't. Wrap. I just with the team that's missing tackles like that, putting Perryman out, I think is a little chancy and I get it. There was no Christian Harris or whatever, but I I just would rather have a guy that can, that can tackle with two hands, especially he, with B. John Robinson on the field. Yeah. I mean, we asked him, about that on Friday. Um, you know, it's like, Hey man, you got, you got three cats out there with, uh, you know, hit sticks on one of their hands. I mean, you got to worry about grabbing cloth, wrapping up, you know, uh, and Tomiko, without saying as much, kind of alluded like, well, that's what this week was for, getting those guys out there, seeing how they're performing, you know, with the club on their hand. Tavier Thomas, Denzel Perryman, two defensive guys that are going to be asked to make a lot of tackles. You know, Jones was the other guy with the hit stick on there, and he didn't play, obviously. He was out um, on the offensive line. But it was uh, it's one of those things that D'Amico was like, yeah, that's kind of what we did. We, we had to gauge it this week. And apparently they felt comfortable enough with a guy like Perryman, what they were going to be asking him to do defensively, that it wasn't going to matter much or he could be more than serviceable. And it's it's a risk you take. Um, I, I just – he even said, like I remember, he's like, hey, you know, it's hard enough to tackle with two hands, much less one. Uh, but you, you go ahead and he finds himself in opportunities today and they were costly. I just thought it wasn't only him. It was just uh, – the philosophy, you know, that last drive by Ritter, I, I just I want to have my defense in man, especially if I trust my dudes, especially if I've got some some beasts up front. Like I know Will Anderson, you know, Malik Collins and uh, Jonathan Grenard, like those three in particular seem to be in and around mucking up the line of scrimmage on run plays. I know they didn't have success in hitting Ritter a lot and not sacking him. I get that. But there's still the off chance that you could make a big play go back to last weekend against Pittsburgh Steelers where uh you know their quarterback uh Pickett you know fakes the handoff rolls out to his left runs right into Jonathan Grenard on a big fourth and one play and just drive killer killed it turnover on downs um when they're trying to just get something going games on the line today I'd rather have that extra man in coverage go with four-man rush and just do it that way knowing that I'm forcing Desmond Ritter, who's already had all the time in the world to make a play today and has done so, at least I got that extra man in coverage and I'm just going to take away one less window that he has to throw the ball to. Um, that That's kind of how I would approach it. And it just, it, it hurt because it was so, so damn hard, you know, for the Texans to even get the seven on the board and to take the lead late in the game. I mean, that was their first third down conversion of the entire second half, I think. They were 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 to that point. And Stroud's able to find uh, Schultz on that third nine. That was their second conversion. The first one came earlier on that drive. But um, just because it was so damn hard, man, it's like you don't want to give them any opportunity. And, and you just did. It just it felt like if you gave them the ball back, the dam was going to break, and it did. Last thing I want to ask you about, I was talking with one of our listeners, Brian, and we were talking about the fact that we've never seen anything like what's going on with the Texans this year. Usually injuries happen during games and the Texans have had a lot of injuries. And you tell me if I'm wrong, Sean, that all of a sudden in the middle of the week, 
you hear there's a, this guy is injured and you're like, well, he wasn't injured coming out of the game. Derek Stingley, not injured in the game. Shaq Griffin, unless I missed something, he was not injured in the okay. game. Um, I, I don't know where Josh Jones hurt his hand, but I don't remember that being, and I don't remember him coming out of the game for that. And either these guys, either I'm missing something and these guys are coming well, coming out of games and, and, and are hurt, or maybe they're playing through the pain in a game. Titus and then Howard. They announce Titus it. Howard. Yeah, Titus <laughs> Howard. They, either the, it, it just, is this something that, you know, you, you are concerned about? And is this something that you, we need to ask D'Amico? Has he been asked about this issue? Because it seems like it's an issue. Yeah, we asked him um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago. Um, I know I asked him once if he's considered looking at his practices um, because word on the street is his practices are really freaking hard. Um, and players have talked about it. Now that was within the first couple of weeks that I'd heard that. Um, and obviously it's, they're a little tougher to, to take when you're losing games. But over the last couple of weeks, it's almost kind of become um, like a rallying point like in something that uh, we've asked players about and they've kind of mentioned uh, bringing it up on their own. Like, yeah, you know, the hard practices, like we love it. Um, you know, it just, it makes us better. Jimmy Ward even saying the other day, you know, I'm used to the hard practices. He's used to playing in a D'Amico Ryan's, uh, you know, defense and making it in a, in a tough practice like that. It's a hell of a lot tougher to do it in the heat. Now he ain't going to have to worry about that because it's beautiful weather, but it has been kind of a point of contention, you know, I think for other players. And we've asked Amico about it. And the thing is, is like, don't just look at the soft tissue injuries, which the Texans had a ton of in training camp and in the preseason, you know, with the hamstrings. I mean, at, at one point it felt like every damn key player had a hamstring situation um, and got a rest day or a couple of days off because of that. But you've had broken hands um, and that should tell you something. And D'Amico would probably tell you, look, they're going to be tough practices, but that's the way that we're going to do it. That's how we get the product the way that I want it on the field. And over the course of the last couple of weeks, um, it's it's kind of paid off. But to what to what extent, to what cost? How can you maybe better effectively run a practice and keep your guys healthy? I don't know. Maybe it's a preventative stuff. Uh, having these physical practices, but you're you're taping these guys up a little bit more. Maybe they maybe you just wear a club to wear a club. I don't know. Not not that extensive, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it's something that uh, it's going to be left up to D'Amico, but um, it, it it is a thing. The practices are tough. The players have acknowledged it, and early on, they instead of acknowledging, I would say they'd use the you could maybe use the word bitched about it a little bit more than they are now, but. Um, We'll have to see what it looks like going forward. Just a couple of quick notes. Dalton Schultz, seven catches, 65 yards. This is more the Dalton Schultz we expected when the Texans got him. So it was good to get him going. That's a positive. Second positive, the Texans had seven tackles for loss in a game against Bijan Robinson. They had seven tackles for loss. Sean, I don't think they had a tackle for loss in the first two weeks of the season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that was the case. Uh, no, they had tackle for loss. Yeah. I mean, they, well, they? it wasn't. I don't know if they had. Let me put it this way. I don't remember when the first game, because I remember John McClain, um, you know, he put that out on social media. The second game, I think maybe they finally got one somewhere. Maybe it was in the second game. I, I thought it might have been the third game, but it took a long time into the season before they actually got one tackle for because it 
They did not have one in the first game. I'm, I'm, I'm practically a hundred percent sure of that. Please fact check me out there. If you're, you know, put us, put it in the, in the uh, comments. If, if I got that wrong. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I think uh, between Hughes, Grenard, Anderson, Collins, I'm almost positive. They've had, uh, you know, at least three or four within the last couple of weeks. Um, oh yeah. In the last couple of weeks, they've had them. I'm just saying in the first two weeks, Oh, the first two weeks. I mean, it, it was, was crap. Yeah, no, no, that, that's my point. In yeah. the first, in the first two weeks, they couldn't get yeah, the very enough. first play of the season. Will Anderson got into the backfield. It went for a no gain. You know what I mean? So, I mean, the point is, is like, hey, they just haven't been able to get into the backfield. Thing is, they've been able to get in the backfield, but it's been too late. It's been kind of taking a poor angle. It's been uh, not fighting through a guy. Uh, the right way and letting them get outside of you. I think you're going to look back at the film today. The coaches are at least um, and see that was the case with Grenard a couple of times, Anderson a few times uh, took the outside angle to try to, you know, contain uh, Ritter and, you know, delay handoff. It went right up the B gap or the C gap uh, for pretty good chunks of yardage. And those are things like I, I noticed something today with Heinish trying to fight through a block, you know, where he just dropped the shoulder, dropped his helmet, and he's trying to rip through. Dude, play with your eyes up in the backfield. Are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing here? Like, what happened to putting your hands up on the chest and gaining separation. Your eyes are supposed to be in the backfield, and then you make that move. I mean, dude is just totally selling out and trying to beat a man. It ain't about beating your man. In fact, in the NFL, I don't care how big you are, you're not ever going to beat your guy on a consistent basis. you got to beat half of the guy because your other half of the responsibility is that gap. The other half of the responsibility is getting that gap and getting to the backfield, the guy with the ball. And I just thought, like, it's plays like that where – D'Amico's going to draw a big-ass red circle, you know, on the film and say, this right here, we got to clean this up. This, Grenard, Hughes, Anderson, this is what we got to clean up. Stop trying to beat your man, take on half of a guy, and get through that gap. Run responsibility. That's why you talk about, You hear all the time coaches talk about gap integrity and containing the pocket, contain, setting the edge, not letting guys get outside of you. That happened again today. So those are all things that uh, the Texans specifically defensively have got to clean up if they want to be better. You can be as talent rich as you want to and have a whole bunch of high motor guys and dogs. But if you're not executing, these things are going to happen. Quick thing on Anthony Richardson. He goes out of the game. Could be a AC joint on the shoulder. Saw that. Third, Third time in five weeks he's gone out of a game injured. This guy had a history of injury in college. That was a concern coming in. It seems like the Colts have found their Derek Stingley. The Colts have found their Derek Stingley. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, Andrew Luck get hurt all the time too. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, you know, he could have been really. He was already really good. He could have been really, really good. Yeah, it just seems like these big guys, the Cam Newtons, the Andrew Lucks, they feel like they're big, and you feel like, oh, I can take hits, and they're used to it their entire career leading up to the NFL. But once you get up to the NFL, you cannot do that because you will get injured. These guys are bigger and stronger. And when they hit you, it hurts. And and when they hit you, you, you get hurt. And so that's what's happened. And, and that's a it's a big deal for the Texans because this is a, a division opponent that drafted a high first round quarterback. And that guy is having issues staying on the field already five games into his career, three times already now, three times. So we'll see how that yeah. unfolds. But uh 
that's all I got, Sean. Just it's it, it's frustrating because this this was right there on the table, and the Texans could easily be three and two, and five games into the season, they would still be tied for the division lead, which we, we never would have thought that to start the season. No, but again, you know, you're two and three. You're coming back home for the Saints next weekend, and you it, it's still within the AFC South. Everybody was two and two coming into today. It's the division is still very gettable, and I think it's a real conversation until it's not, until the Jags prove that they're ready to take the next step, until the Texans prove that they're ready to take the next step. And I think today, like, you still take a lot of positives away. The fact that we had the conversation for the last hour that we did uh, says a lot about where this organization has come from. Um, you know, what they're doing. They're playing meaningful football this season, and the concern is not about a quarterback and his play. And there's th- These are real football team problems. This is not um, having a fake conversation about a team that is tanking and they've got all these issues. Now, this is a football team that you know the potential is there. It's can they continue to build and put those pieces together? I'm, I'm excited. I mean, we've, we're, we've already gotten to that point before today even happened, but even more so now you could stop talking about like, well, you can't expect a rookie quarterback to do this. No, cut the BS. Um, CJ Stroud, the poise, the composure that he already displayed the first two weeks, the poise, the composure that he's displayed on the road to go out and dominate a team like the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were right there on the precipice. They're going to take the next step. They're going to dominate the vision. They're the favorite. Okay, didn't happen. Okay, at least not on the Texans' watch. To going on the road and the Falcons, I get it. Point total was hit right on the noggin. Falcons by two. They won by two. But still, you made it damn hard on that team to do the job. And uh, CJ Stroud, at least that fourth quarter uh, would have been game-winning comeback, wasn't. That gave you all the confidence, I think, that you needed to have in terms of not prefacing anything relative to the offense uh, with, uh, but he's a rookie. Now squash it, put it out to pasture. Um, You can have confidence in this team that they have the opportunity, if they play clean football, to go out and compete with anybody. Just a reminder, if you missed the totals, C.J. Stroud, 20 for 35, 249 yards, one touchdown, no interception, no interceptions. And we said it earlier, zero sacks for the third week in a row. And so much of that is just C.J. Stroud not taking a sack and C.J. Stroud not taking interceptions. So to outline what Sean just said perfectly, you know, that's the deal. Don't forget that we have Astros postgame. Postseason post games are all Astros postseason with me and Steven. If Sean wants to come in, he's got a welcome invitation, but the, he's a busy guy. Um, he's going to be um, flying airplanes back and forth between here and Australia. And then he and, and then he's going to um, he's also becoming the president of Siberia. So, you know, he's he's always got something going on. He stays busy. But uh, yeah, me and Steven tonight after the Astros game, uh, Sean and I will be back at you midweek and what's going on with uh, the the Saints game and, and everything that's going on with the Texans. And, and, and we'll keep that to mostly that stuff and keep the Astros stuff with, with me and Steven. Cause that's, that's enough for me this week. Thank, <laughs> uh, thank goodness. But uh, anyway, uh, everybody take care and uh, hopefully we Texans will get a, uh, back on track next week. Have a great one, everybody. And uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend.
You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.